The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter number 14, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Homosexuality is a sin. Now, we're very, very conscious today of trying to water that kind of statement down, trying to rub the rough edges off of it. But the fact of the matter is, no Bible-believing Christian can honestly read the Bible from cover to cover, rightly divided, and not come to an unconfused, irresistible fact that homosexuality is a sin. It has never been accepted by God. It is not now accepted by God. And it will never be accepted by God. Now, the society that you and I live in put almost zero stock in that phrase, it is a sin. We live in a nation that has lost the fear of God, lost respect for the words of God, lost respect or concern for the people of God, and they are heading at breakneck speed as hard as they possibly can, towards hell. But what people think or feel, the whims and the desires of any particular culture, any particular society, at any point in time, have no bearing on the truth. Homosexuality is a sin. It is an abomination before God. Now, with that biblical truth being stated clearly, I also hasten to say that I believe in maximum individual liberty, even when it's something I don't believe in. In other words, I believe that you have the right to sin, and you also have the right to be held accountable before God for the consequences of those sins, but you have the right to be wrong. I don't believe it's our job to have some sort of Cromwell or uh, some sort of governmental interference snooping into the homes and snooping into the bedrooms of men and women. Jefferson said, if it does not pick my pocket or break my leg, what is that to me? And while that's a little bit of a simplistic address to the problem, there is a kernel of truth there. I believe homosexuality is sin and wrong. I do not believe in throwing people in jail for it or stoning people or arresting people. I believe people have the right to hire a homosexual if they want. I believe they have a right to open up a homosexual business. Uh, They have the right in their own personal lives to live the way that they want to live. So long as it does not hurt others or interfere in the religious and personal rights of other people as well. Now the problem is that is exactly what is not happening. There is a one-way street when it comes to the homosexual agenda in the United States of America. They want absolute acceptance. They want absolute freedom while denying you as a Christian and Bible believer any acceptance and any freedom. Today we are not dealing with a passive group of homosexuals who simply want some sort of a, a liberty or some sort of a a freedom not to be in fear. We are dealing with an aggressive, militant, homosexual agenda that is hell-bent on changing the standard definition that has been around in humanity for 6,000 years and forcing you and forcing me and forcing our children to accept it 
in many cases under penalty of law. They are opening the doors for all kinds of sexual and deviant behavior to be accepted and mainstream. They are forcing homosexuality into the stream of education and society and religion and art. And the fact is that biblical lines and constitutional lines and moral lines have been radically crossed. The issue of homosexual marriage is and will have great bearing on us nationally. I think about things going on in the Middle East, and I think about things going on in our economy. But the reality of the matter is, a nation rises or falls based upon its righteousness before a holy and all-powerful and involved and aware God. The homosexual agenda is intruding into our homes, intruding into our schools, intruding into our churches. And I believe more than ever it is vitally important that Christians, especially the young generation of Christians coming along, understand what we believe, why we believe it, and not only what and why, but we must understand the responsibility of standing and speaking up and saying no to an agenda that is wrong, no to an agenda that is sinful, no to an agenda that is truthfully anti-freedom, and no to an agenda that is ultimately anti-God. Now, I really have two preliminary heading, uh, two main headings in this talk today. The first is a series of preliminary statements and observations I want to make. I want to make six statements and observations under this first heading. Number one, the battle over the homosexual agenda was lost when we allowed our language and our definition to be captured. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah chapter number 5, Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil, that put darkness for light, and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. We have allowed over the years the conversation to be captured because the definitions have been captured. What was once biblically and historically called sodomy moved to homosexual and moved to gay, and now we no longer call it what it is. We have allowed sexual activity to be called a civil right. We have allowed love affair to be replaced instead of adultery. We allow choice to be used rather than murder when it comes to abortion. We allow something uh, that is normal to be transfer transferred into homophobia. We allow wrong to be taken out of the way and substituted with right. Rather than marriage being before God in a covenant, we talk about it as state recognition. In other words, the language and the definitions have been captured. And as they have been captured, we have lost the battle in many instances and lost the ability to be able to rightly defend and rightly define what we mean. We need to get back to not fearing what men and women may or may not think of us. And we need to call the sin what it is. It is 
sodomite. It is sodomy. It is sin. Number two, we are reaping from parents who have abdicated their responsibility to educate. Careers and pleasure, Disney World and vacations, that has been the focus of the average parent in the United States of America. But few and far between are those parents who are actively, and may I say sacrificially, involved in the education and training and rearing of their child. Now, you may find it an odd leap to go from the issue of homosexuality to the issue of education, but you must understand that public school, and I'll also put under public school those Christian schools that are Christian only in name, the education system in America is the soil from which every foul and wicked thought grows. You want humanism? You find it nurtured and grown in the public school system. You want homosexuality? You find it nurtured and grown in the whole, in the public school system. Uh, you want uh, immorality and adultery and fornication and pornography. You find it nurtured and uh, grown in the public school system. And as parents have abdicated their role and allowed there to become a vacuum in the training and education of their children, that vacuum has been filled, and in this particular instance, it is being filled over and over and over and over again by men and women and teachers and bureaucrats and academia that believe that you're wrong for thinking homosexuality is a sin, and they're right, and they take it upon themselves to inculcate, to brainwash, to infuse into your child's mind what they believe is right, regardless of what you think. As parents have allowed that void to be in their life, as parents have focused more on cars and homes and business and vacation and less on their children, we are reaping the fruit of people that have focused on our children. Number three, Christians are reaping several generations of being more concerned about being perceived as loving rather than being perceived as speaking the truth. Because we have become so concerned about how people think about us, because we have become so frightened of somebody calling us unloving rather than defending the truth, we have lost our discernment, our authority, and quite frankly, ladies and gentlemen, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has lost its mandate to fight. And preachers very often are the main culprit. Of course we're to love others. Of course we're to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Of course Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. But we are also told to contend for the truth. We are also told to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. We are also told in the book of Proverbs that open rebuke is better than secret love. And because we have become so concerned with being seeker-sensitive, visitor-friendly, consumer-friendly, packaged well, uh, socially acceptable, we have lost our moral high ground, lost our mandate to fight. The average Christian has no more discernment than a two-year-old, and we are getting beat up at every turn and in every way. Number four. We're reaping several generations of false converts that have populated the church at large. 
If you begin to read any statistic, one of the things you'll find out is that the younger generations coming along have less and less conviction about biblical truth than the older generations. Now, I'm not saying that this is all uh, or the sum total of why the problem exists, but I will tell you that more and more and more I have come to believe that one of the great reasons the church struggles so very much is because rather than it being populated by people that are truly converted and indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, we have produced false converts. And that is why so many Christians, quote-unquote, can accept homosexuality and accept homosexual Christians and accept that agenda without it being a contradiction. Now, I have the same Holy Spirit of God in me that somebody else has in them. And we may see things different, maybe on mode of baptism. We may see things different, maybe on church polity or methodology. But I find it hard to believe that one Christian can read the Word of God and see clearly that homosexuality is sin, and another Christian read the Word of God and have no problem with it. The Holy Spirit of God, on such a serious issue as this kind of sin, should convict and bring light. Jesus said that when the Spirit of God comes, He will guide you into all truth. Now, there may be room for disagreement on issues of second and third and fourth tier. But when it comes to a mainline issue like homosexuality, sodomy, adultery, fornication, these are not issues that are up for debate. They are sin. But the fact that a great deal of those that call themselves Christians can accept it tells me that something is wrong. I'll not say that every single one of them are lost. But I'll tell you that I believe with all of my heart one of the great plagues on American Christianity is false converts. Our churches are populated with false converts. Our colleges are populated with false converts. We produce convert after convert after convert after convert. But I don't know that we're producing men and women regenerated by the saving grace of Jesus Christ. The two are not synonymous. A decision for Jesus Christ in an emotional moment or plea, is not the same as being born from above by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Number five. Federal government has become an empire that seeks to total, uh, seeks total domination of our lives and beliefs. They have told us how to raise our children, how much money we can keep, when to retire, what size big gulp to drink, what our kids can eat at lunch, if a child can live in the womb, why not marriage? For years and years and years, the kooks and the quacks warned and wrote and taught of the new world order to come. Ladies and gentlemen, she's here. It is not what is going to happen. It is what is happening now. Unconstitutional search and seizures unconstitutional arrests, the, the fa unconstitutional uh, spying and warrantless wiretapping and holding of people. I mean, Big Brother is not coming. It is here. It's happened so subtly and it's happened so quickly that they don't realize it. But the federal government has intruded into areas that they have no right to be in. They do not have a right to be involved in the life of a child in the womb of a mother other than to protect that innocent child. The federal government has no right being involved 
in the definition of marriage other than to enforce the biblical mandate of what it means to be married. And if they can't do that, then let it alone and let other people figure it out. But the government is not being neutral in this area. It is demanding that you and I as Christians accept something that we cannot accept and still be right with God. My sixth and final observation is this. Feelings rule. The issue is never truth, but is how we feel about truth and how we feel about an issue. Recently, I had a man call me who was a good man. He is a good man. Wanted to speak with me about an issue in the church. He said to me, Preacher, he said, I just didn't like the the decision and the way that we went. And the following statement is what is important for you to get, uh, listener. He said, Preacher, Bible or no Bible, I just didn't feel like that was a good thing. Well, to God's glory, we talked and he was able to see the truth. But that stuck in my mind. Bible or no Bible, I just don't feel. Feelings have nothing to do with it. Sometimes people will say, well, homosexual marriages is, is stay together often more times than heterosexual marriages. That has nothing to do with it. Well, I feel that a child should have a home and, and should not be an orphan. And so what if a homosexual couple wants to adopt a child? It feels right. Feelings have nothing to do with it. Somebody else says, well, I know a lot of homosexual people, and they're wonderful, and they're sweet, and they're kind, and they're great. I feel like their feelings have nothing to do with it. Feelings are not the issue. The issue for a Christian is truth. The issue for a Christian is the words of the living God. And the reality of the matter is, the Bible teaches that it is sin, and sin of the most heinous sort. Now, with those observations... I want to move to the second heading, and that is spiritual realities. There are several spiritual realities that Christians have to face. And I'll not spend a great deal of time laboring and giving you the scriptural references, but if you get your concordance, it won't take you long to find these scriptures and these truths outlined for you in the Word of God. But there are several spiritual realities. One of the first spiritual realities that we have to accept is that sodomy, in other words, homosexuality, is against the natural laws of God. The Bible says in the book of Genesis that God created man, and God from that man created a woman. And then they were placed in the Garden of Eden with the command and the covenant to replenish the earth and to produce. That was not a suggestion, it was a command of God. And the very fact and nature of the homosexual relationship means that that couple, whether it be two men or two women, are incapable of fulfilling the command and the covenant that God gave. It goes against the natural laws of God. And we joke and play and maybe sometimes are a little crass and we say God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. But in reality, that is a true statement. You might not like it, you might think that it's too frivolous or too cavalier, but it is an absolute accurate statement. If it were Adam and Steve, there would be no replenishing. There would be no procreation. There would be no messianic line through which the Savior could come. It is against the laws of nature. It is 100% lust-based. 
It is not for producing children. It is not for producing more in humanity. It is not for meeting the emotional needs. The Bible says that God said it's not good that man should be alone. And so he will make him a help, meet for him. None of that exists in the homosexual relationship. Regardless of what TV tells us, regardless of what Hollywood tells us, regardless of what we see projected in front of us, homosexuality is based upon a foundation of lust and self, not upon a foundation of God's moral laws. I would say also that homosexuality is against natural laws of civil history, whether it be Rome, Germany, Israel. Throughout history, homosexuality has been a mark of debauchery. It has been a mark of decay. It has been a mark of apostasy. Another problem, and I think another spiritual reality that has to be addressed, is that homosexuality is against the sanctity of the home. One of the great damages that it does is attack the father-child relationship. And when it is not attacking the father-child relationship, it is attacking the mother-daughter-child relationship. Another fact of the matter is, another spiritual reality that we have been saying throughout this whole thing, is that whether it's 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 10, or 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9, or Romans chapter number 1 verses number 27 through 28, the reality of the matter is, is that homosexuality is against scripture. No Christian, no church, no home, no pastor can be right with God and accept homosexuality as a valid lifestyle. It is not. It is sin. Now the question becomes, what do we do? Do we enact laws to throw homosexuals in jail? Do we make them wear some sort of a scarlet A like Hester Prynne and identify them or wear some star like the Jews had to wear in Nazi Germany? Of course not. A thousand times no. I don't know that I have all the answers of what we need to do, but I can give you several answers, I think, of what is important for a Christian. And the first is this. Be spiritual. And by that I mean only those who are close to Jesus Christ are going to be able to withstand the persecution and challenges and choices of our convictions that we're going to face in the near future. Far too many Christians are built on shifting sand. Far too many Christians are built on personality and cheap monthly devotionals and seminars, and cruises, and the latest fad, and the latest book, but in reality they are not built on a deep, disciplined walk with their Master and Savior, Jesus Christ. You are not going to be able to stand what I believe is a coming testing and trial of this nation and Christians unless you are built and grounded upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, Study. Study the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Believe the Word of God. Saturate your mind in the Word of God. Memorize the Word of God. Far too often we look at it as some sort of chicken noodle for the soup for the soul, and it is not. It is a weapon in the hands of a Christian. It is our bread and our water, our light, 
It is vital that a Christian bathe themselves in the words of the living God. Number three, supplicate, pray, intercede. I think one of the things that's missing today is church corporate prayer. When the early church faced trials, they prayed. They didn't go to fundraisers. They didn't call in counselors. They didn't bring in uh, corporate marketing. They prayed. Go out of your way to pray. Discipline yourself in prayer. Set times aside for fasting and prayer for our children, for our churches, for our home, for our country, for evangelism. Pray. Fourth, sacrifice. Sacrifice. The calls of Christian education, the calls of Christian missions, the calls of Christianity and the spreading of the gospel, uh, these are vital. Whether you're a parent or a worker, don't let your Christian involvement be simply a social club. Don't let your involvement with the Lord be simply dues that you're required to give to be a part of the club. There should be a work and a sacrifice and a heart for us to labor. And I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. No amount of legislation, no amount of books written by Sean Hannity or Rush Limbaugh or Glenn Beck are going to change the course of this nation, if indeed it can be changed at all. It is righteousness that exalteth a nation, and righteousness comes only by way of the Lord Jesus Christ. What we need is a revival of people being saved, and that will only come if it can come, by way of Christians willing to sacrifice, sacrificing money, sacrificing time, sacrificing their image, sacrificing their family, sacrificing for the greater cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I would say lastly, stand. Stand for what is right. Down on the job, politically, stand. When it's not popular, stand. When you're alone, stand. When you're misunderstood, stand. When people think you're a nut, stand. When the whole world turns against you, stand. As the anecdotal statement goes, when somebody said to Luther, the great reformer Luther, the whole world is against you, then Luther responded, then Luther is against the whole world. The statement is true. If God be for us, who can be against us? The Bible says, he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Stand. Be counted. Speak up. Right is right and wrong is wrong. And sodomy is wrong, is wrong, is wrong. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be nervous. But stand. 